for you. Yeah, yo. There whenever it matters, and even more when you feel like it doesn't. Protect you so you never feel like you wasn't. No, I'm right alongside you. Here but that, I'm behind you, but always got you. End of discussion. Nothing means more. First one to offer his shoulders for what you preach for. Thought I saw the eyes of the world until I seen yours. And know that I ain't see a better view yet. I'm with whatever, so don't ever you fret. Know that you covered. Not a hurdle or a heartbreak to change what a partake. Cause none of them won't ever get comfortable in your walkway. My job is to aware you. Fully loaded. Prepare you for all of the above that I'm never letting get near you. But still, I know, give you every advantage I found. Couldn't find a better fit for them along with my crown. And since the baton was passed, I've been down. Cause failing's not an option, and dad is not a noun, not at all. Dope. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Ishmael from Dad is Not a Noun. I am you're back here again, and I have a special guest. I have my brother from another mother out of Cali, actor, director, the man of, of many talents, also a stepfather, and soon to be married soon, Rico Morano. What's up, brother? What's up, my man? Look at that intro. <laughs> yeah, love it. How you been, man? How's COVID? How's the COVID life? Man, uh, dude, honestly, I, we did have a scare. I'm not gonna lie. We um, we were supposed to go to Maryland to visit my. Uh, well, we're gonna be married soon, but for me, we're married already. My wife, we're gonna visit her family in Maryland and then go down to Texas and visit my family. But her grandmother and grandfather got COVID. Her Ooh. brother got COVID. So where we were gonna go, we couldn't go anymore. And then even with her brother who lives here in California, we were around him that weekend. And he got diagnosed with COVID, so we got tested. We were afraid because we were next to him. So, right. you know, this stuff gets really, really scary. And it's weird. He had no symptoms, but his girlfriend had COVID. So, obviously, he was like, I was with her. I should right. get tested. He tested positive. Can't go to work. He had to be quarantined for two weeks. We get tested, and I'm negative. Thank God, because I had to shoot a TV show. Right. Wow. <laughs> if I would have gotten COVID, I would have lost out on a payday right there, man. For real? Wow. That's crazy. Beyond it being scary, you know, I don't want to get it. And it's a scary virus. Um, mm -hmm. But yeah, no, we had a little scare with that recently. Yeah, it's like the, the scary cooties, you know, like when you were little yeah. and you got the cooties and it was cute. Yeah. But this is like, you can die cooties, yeah. you know? Or you can get nothing. <laughs> right, right. It's like, it's like, spin the wheel. What kind right. of cookies? You got the car? You got right. nothing? Or right. you're going to die. Right? <laughs> like, oh, I don't know if I want any of them. Right? Well, uh, that's going to be the next game show. Yeah. <laughs> Which COVID you going to get? <laughs> and now, thank God, there's a vaccine. Um, so hopefully that'll change the, the game and we can kind of move on with our lives again. Yeah, I hear you, man. But congratulations for getting engaged. You guys are getting married. Let's yeah. talk about you a little bit. Like, what got you into acting? Like, what what was that bug? How when did you get that acting bug? How that how did that all start for you? Man, I think I got it when I was a kid. So I, I've had that bug when I was a kid growing up in Houston, being Latino. Uh, it didn't seem like it was a, a possibility. So I never mm. really pursued it. You know, I wanted it, but didn't pursue it. Went to the University of Texas, uh, studied economics. I still wanted to do it. So I tried to get into theater. It wasn't my thing. I'll be mm. honest with you, I'm not a theater guy. I like storytelling. And what I've realized is I love the element of storytelling with video more than anything else. I've done live performances and they're a lot of fun. But to me, to tell a story through video, with a movie, a television, or even a vlog, so much fun. Um, so I tried it. And it just, I never thought I was going to be good enough. You know, you have all that insecurity up here, the yeah. fear, 
What if it doesn't work out? So I decided not to do it. And then I got into finance and then um, doing really well in finance. I got the bug again at 24, 25. And I was like, you know what? You got to try it at least once. And I was reading the book, Think and Grow Rich. Okay. I'm pretty sure you've read it, right? No. 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 Oh, dude, you got to read this book. Napoleon okay. Think and Grow Rich. It's one of the most inspiring books you can read. And it just gave me that push that I needed to go out there and try it out at least. Mm-hmm. And so I remember telling my parents and kind of talking to some of my friends. My friends were negative about it. It's never going to work out. Don't go. Right. My parents, on the other hand, were like, look, we're here. So if it doesn't work out, you come right back over here and do what you were doing. But you'll never know unless you go try it. So I decided to uh, give it a chance. I came to Los Angeles with no friends, no background, zero acting training. I didn't know anything. <laughs> and uh, Dude, it was rough. But I stayed. And now 12 years later, I'm still here. But how did you overcome that fear? Because I know fear is like the, the the like it's like a drug, and it's like you know you you you're so unsure of yourself that you could do it. So how can you? How did you overcome that? You know, because that can lead to anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah. No, I did. I I suffered from. I I still do. I think uh, I'll be honest on this, just because of your podcast and what you're talking about. So I'll be honest. I do sometimes have anxiety, and I do have depression. I've had depression since I was a teen. Uh, I've had bouts of depression where it gets really scary and I feel like I'm in a dark place. When I first moved here, I went through huge depression and huge anxiety. I hated it. I hated myself. I I was just in a dark, dark place. And I think it was because I, I pushed myself here. I came in confident, but when I got here, all of that was gone. The city is not a nice city. The people Mm -hmm. weren't nice. The first jobs that I got in production, people were not friendly. And so I felt like an outsider. I didn't make friends easily here in the beginning. Um, I was going to quit. I was going to quit every month. And if it wasn't for my phone calls with my mom, who was by probably my biggest support system, I would have left. Uh, she's the one that kind of always talked me off the ledge. I decided to take it, you know, just ease, ease off of the anxiety. And I joined the gym. No ho gym. It doesn't exist anymore. But that gym really helped me change my life because the people that I met there were my first set of friends, my first group. Um, it was a cool place. I met all these actors. I met Vin Diesel's best uh, friend, uh, oh, Valentina Morales, who introduced me to Vin Diesel. But I met all these great people who just became my support system. And that's what I think I needed was a support system. So in the beginning, I thought it was going to be through production, through mm-hmm. working with people or some acting class. No, it happened to be a gym. And uh, I think it helped having a friend, then making a second friend, a third mm-hmm. friend. that really helped me just feel more comfortable here and um, reading certain books, man. I'm going to go back to think and grow rich. I think that's a really good book. I do believe in these like Tony Robbins and all those, they do help you whether it's their books or their CDs to kind of calm your mind and, and let you see things beyond your own fear. Right. Definitely. Yeah, we, we live in fear, man. We do live in fear right now. We're living in we're fear. fear. Definitely. Definitely, bro. But uh, also, uh, I think, especially, you know, I deal with depression too, um, anxiety as well. And I think having a good um, support system is important because, you know, I do go through those trials and tribulations tribulations sometimes too. But, you know, being a Latino in that world, you know, you do deal with racism and bias. Um, Mm -hmm. how, How does having that support system help you go through that? Man, that's a great question because we've talked about this before. So a big thing with Hollywood, and I'm pretty sure everyone who watches this is going to understand, especially if you're black or Latino, man, we are stereotyped like, can I curse on this? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. We're stereotyped like a motherfucker. <laughs> on Hollywood, man. Seriously. I am from Houston, which is a conservative state. 
I grew up there. I never felt like an outsider. I always felt like just an American. Right. And yes, is there racism? Yes, there was, but never like anything where I felt beneath somebody. I never felt like that from a white person. Even the cops that stopped me when I was young, right. white cops. And I had been drinking. <laughs> like, you know, how much did you drink? I was like, two beers off the floor. And they're like, all right, all right. How far is your home? I'm like, I'm just a mile, like less than a mile away. They're like, all right, we're going to drive you home. Let's follow us. Make sure you get home safely. Wow. So I never experienced that. I moved to LA. That's the first thing I experienced wow. is in Hollywood. They're saying that they're so liberal. Well, the first thing they did is like, oh, you can't do this. You can't do that. You're a Latino, so you're a gangbanger. You're right. Latino, so you're a drug dealer. I'm like, right. I, I, I don't really know that world. I come from economics and finance. I, I wear a suit. That's what my, no, you can't play those because you're Latino. And that's where I first experienced it. And I think that's what hit me hard too, is that I felt, I came here thinking, oh yeah, man, I'm going to have a good time. I'm going to experience Hollywood. I'm going to be an actor. And then I go into auditioning and it's like, oh, you can only play these certain roles. I thought that was ridiculous. And I think it hurt my self-esteem because at that moment I felt that wasn't good enough. Um, now, of course, I have support groups. I'm, I'm part of organizations to make a difference. And I think it's important to have other people that are like you fight for the same cause. And I see it with the black community and I'm seeing it now with the Latino community. Man, there's a lot of racism. And a lot of it happens to be in the places where they consider themselves very liberal. And I'll be very honest. Um, I think I've experienced more, more racism in Hollywood than I ever experienced in my life in Texas. That's crazy. And then also, um, I think this has to be talked about, you know, you know, we live in this Black Lives Matter um, world. And mm -hmm. as a Latino, do you feel left out? Oh, when it comes to that when, when it comes to having a conversation about police brutality, racism and everything that is bunched together. So can you kind of talk about that from a Latino's perspective? That's a great question. Um, at first, of course, it was you saw the, the murders that happened. And so you everyone it was a collective black lives matter yes and these these cops need to stop this brutality but as it's progressed it's only been about black lives and i'm like well what about the rest of the group of people that are being abused or hurt or neglected or left behind and that's where i feel that the the movement needs to incorporate these other groups i mean think about native americans yeah dude they've, they've had a hard time so for me as a latino I support the cause, but I feel that we need to support each other because we're kind of in the same boat. Right. And if we can get collectively together, we are a lot stronger than separately. I, to I totally agree. Because if you go back to the history of like the civil rights movement, yes, it was about voting rights and being equal. But at the same time, it was about everybody else too. Women, uh, Native Americans, Latinos, Asian, it was about everybody, even though black people was on the front lines. Yeah. But it was the narrative was about everybody. Well, MLK, I mean, he was friends with Cesar Chavez. Yeah. They fought the same fight. And you're right. The the black community has taken that front line and they've really have been stepping out there and really putting themselves on the line. And I feel as Latinos, we need to be right there behind them and also supporting and being part of that coalition and helping each other. And I, I'm I've been a part of that in Hollywood for the last, what, eight, nine years. I really, really big into diversity, into media and um, film and television. And for me, it's very personal. It's this, and I'll give you my example. A lot of people don't get to experience a relationship with a black person or a Latino person if you live in Kentucky, if you live in West Virginia. So the only time that you experience that relationship, it's probably gonna be 
through media, through a TV show, through a movie. And if I, as a Latino, am in that movie and I'm the bad guy, I'm the drug dealer, I'm the gang member, your perception of Latinos will always be they're negative, they're bad people. And that happens to me because I travel a lot for other stuff that I do as a speaker. And I've been to West Virginia, I've been to all these places, and I've met people. And a lot of times we'll get into these conversations and they don't realize I'm Latino until they find out and they're like, oh, oh. And I can see it in their eyes. They're like, I had a I, Latino. They thought I was going to be uneducated, maybe a gangbanger, maybe a drug dealer. Now they're speaking to this guy who for them is very equal to them. And so I think it's really important that we push our agenda and have projects that show us all together, black, white, Latinos, all in that world without highlighting race. It's not about race. It's about humans connected. That's my, that's my mission, man. All my projects, that's what I try to do. And I'm with you too, bro. But looking through the, uh, the black perspective, I feel personally, um, as black people, we felt like we carried the burden of, of the other races when it came to uh, civil rights and uh, uh, equality. And, you know, we got there and then there's still some hills we have to go up. But at the same time, well, everyone else is there. Now we felt like we're left behind. Yeah, well, you, you get you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. And as Latinos, I'm I'm behind you guys. I mean, obviously, to me, the black community is the one that has been moving a lot for civil rights. If you look at all the big civil rights leaders, they're black. If you look at even the election yeah. and who was helping, a lot of blacks. And right. I feel Latinos are um, we're newer to this country. Obviously, you know, our migration started coming here in like the 70s. You know, if you think about it. We've only been coming to this. I mean, obviously, California and a lot of other states were minority. The majority right. were Latino back in the day. Right. But as a collective, and also as a a collective with power, I think we're barely coming into it. We're the second majority. If you no, look at population, no, facts, we're facts. second majority. But we've always been way lower class, uneducated. We were migrant workers. We weren't given the opportunities to become politicians or anything else. Blacks had already been moving into those positions. I think now you're starting to see Latinos going into education, getting into the positions of power. And for me, that's why I kind of stepped away from just being, oh, diversity for Latinos. I'm diversity for all, which means my black brothers, my Native American brothers and sisters, uh, the LGBTQ community, because I've realized I don't want to just support one group. Right. I got to support all of us. Yeah. And that's all of us included, including our white brothers and sisters. We're not against them. We're all together in this. And that's what I think we need, man, especially in this time. We're so divided. So if we can come together as a country, as a group of people, and stop looking at race as being something to separate us instead of uniting from it and learning from each other, man. And I think we can do it in media. Like what you're doing right now, podcasts, uh, videos, movies, television. This is the perfect place to really start breaking down those walls. Definitely agree. And it's all about having those uncomfortable conversations too, because we, we got to have that conversation. Because if we can't, yeah. if we can't talk about then, then we're going to repeat history all over again. You're right. You got to have even us right now admitting, admitting that we have anxiety and depression as two men, grown ass men. Yes. You're black. I'm Latino. We're supposed to be tough, man. My yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Look at me. No, man. We do feel sometimes that we're not good enough. We do yeah. feel unconfident. We do feel like shit. Yep. You know, it's a natural emotion. And if men can't express it, then what happens is we start getting deeper inside of that negativity yep. to the point where you're starting to hear more suicides in our community. You're hearing yep. all these negative things because our mental health. And to me, mental health encompasses so much. If you don't feel good in your own skin, 
dude, I, I, you're not you, you obviously are going to be suffering from mental health. So you got to love yourself. And it's, it's not easy to love yourself when you're told you're not beautiful. When you're told you're a bad person, you know, you're fat, you're up, all those things, people pointing at you, telling you you're this, you're that can really hurt your mental health, especially if you're growing up as a kid and getting that, you grow up into an adult, you still got those feelings. That's right. Those feelings as you grow up. So I think as men, it's important that we discuss these things, put it out in the open and make it natural and be like, look, I know we suffer from depression. We do this. And this is a way out. We got to support each other, man. We got to support each other. Yeah, man. And I'm not afraid to tell you I love you, bro. I'm oh, afraid to say that. Yeah, <laughs> no, we need to be able to say that. We love yeah, each other. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it's totally good, man. It's like uh, when Kobe died and you yes. saw Shaq, you saw Michael Jordan cry. I mean, yeah. these are, to me, alpha males, yeah. top athletes. We all hurt. You know, I don't care how tough you look. We all hurt inside. And so I think it's okay to be like, I love you and, and have that sensitive feminine side come out sometimes yeah. we're still men yeah yeah, wrong. yeah 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 you know we stand when we, we stand when we pee yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no i'm talking about let's go listen yeah. <laughs> but but no you're right but um let's talk about inclusion because i know you talked about diversity but i think inclusion is the most important thing because with inclusion you're behind the scenes of making those things come out to become a reality. Yeah. Seeing more people that reflect us. So can you kind of talk about that importance of inclusion? Oh, dude, I, it goes back to what I was saying about seeing each other, seeing ourselves on screen in a positive light. And inclusion to me is probably, like you're right, diversity was the key word a few years ago. It's now become inclusion. But inclusion, I think, is better. Like you were saying, it's more about including than just saying, well, we need diversity. So we need a black person in this movie. We need a yeah. Latino person in a movie. We need a gay guy in this movie. Right. That to me is almost like you're just checking boxes. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so uh, let's just get a gay guy. Okay, cool. Right. Check. Oh, he's Chinese yeah. too? Perfect. That's two boxes. That's what diversity is to me. You're totally right. Inclusion is like you literally are trying to include people, put them in the world. What you're doing right now with this, this is important. Um, I think it's really important that we see young black men, uh, Latino men, putting themselves out there in different lights, not just trying to be the tough guy. But yeah. being, being the, you know what's funny? I watch YouTube a lot, and I'll watch a lot of uh, financial guys. I'll watch a lot of like uh, filmmakers because I'm a storyteller, and they all been, they mostly I will say ninety percent are white guys. I hardly ever see a black guy or hardly ever see a Latino guy, and it's I don't know if we're afraid to put ourselves out there or what, but we need to see more of those people doing it so these the next generation feels included when they see yeah. themselves up on screen. They're like, oh, I can do this. Right. No, I. Yeah, I totally agree. It's like that old saying, uh, diversity is inviting someone to the party. Uh, inclusion is asking someone to dance, you know? Oh, I like that. I haven't heard that. I like that. <laughs> I like that. Because you, you, you learn from the other you person. Have. You can have it, man. I learned it from somebody. I don't know. I probably was watching a YouTube video and I had a epiphany. Like, oh, okay. I'm going to use it the next time I talk to Rico. Yeah, no, there you think, go. <laughs> but it's true. I think you make a good point. Diversity is asking them to the party and inclusion is asking them to dance. You're really connecting with them. I love that. Yeah, like yeah. visually, immediately I saw it. I was like, oh, okay. It's like, it reminds me of like those 80 lane movies. That's exactly what I saw in my head. That's exactly what I saw in my head. The nerdy guy. Right. <laughs> 
dude. The ugly tuxedos. Yes. <laughs> Molly Purple Greenwald. Rain playing in the background. <laughs> yes. Molly Greenwald. Oh my god. <laughs> I love 80s stuff, man. I'm all, I I'm do. I'm, I'm I'm a nerd when it comes to that. I ain't, I ain't gonna Me lie. I will put on some pretty and pink. I'm not afraid to say that. A grown-ass black man that said he likes pretty and pink. I do like that no. movie. I'll be honest, I love rom-coms. What's funny is <laughs> You know, this the holiday, it's the holiday season. I'm all into these like uh <laughs> lifetime ro romance rom-coms. And you know, Netflix now has a whole slew of them. So yes. I'm like, oh, baby, let's start watching them. I start watching them, I get into it. She gets up and she's like, I'm done. She's like 30 <laughs> minutes in, she's like, Yeah, I'm done, I'm out. And she's like, Wow, wow. So I'm into the rom-coms, she's not. Oh man, you got her suffering, man. I feel bad for her. <laughs> She's like, this is what I signed up for. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't like this? Oh. <laughs> She's gonna marry the guy, and he's right? gonna be, oh, be so happy. <laughs> so let's talk about stepfatherhood. I think what happens is stepdads kind of get the bad rap. You are a stepdad. So what does it mean to be a stepdad? Man, to me, it means uh, just being a dad. To be honest with you. Uh, it's crazy. I didn't sign up for it. <laughs> I didn't sign up to be a stepdad. I started dating someone. She had a kid. I thought it was just going to be a fun, uh, you know, <laughs> a fun uh, little uh, hookup. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we started getting more serious. It became more serious. And I'm like, man, I'm really getting feelings for this girl. I really like her. And then she started, you know, as we started getting more serious, that's when she decided that it was okay for me to start meeting her daughter. And uh, yeah, the daughter was awesome. And still, it didn't click in my head. I'm like, man, what happens next? You know, I was right. just kind of going, was with, going with the with the motions, right? Yeah, I was going with the motions. And then, uh, yeah, then it got serious. She she brought it up. She's like, look, what are we doing? Because I have a kid. I don't have time to play around and <laughs> fool around and do these kind of things. I mean, that's what you're looking for. I'm not the right woman. And so for me, that was like a slap in the face. I was like, oh, I got to think about this. Do I want to keep? being the single bachelor, just having fun, or do I really want to settle down with her and her little one? Um, and I guess I, I, I kind of swallowed the pill and I was like, Let, let's go for it. And dude, I tell you what, man, it's probably one of the best decisions I've ever made. Um, I, I just, I don't see the difference between blood, not having my blood or, or having my blood. I think she's my daughter. Regardless, I'm trying to give her the best that I can. I want to give the knowledge that I have and pass it on to her. I want her to believe in herself. Uh, she's so cool. There's so many things that we connect in. It's like, she's my daughter and we have a blast. And I think you're right. I think step parents have had always a negative connotation due to a lot of negative things that happened with step parents. Um, and the media and Cinderella. Is it Cinderella or Snow White? One of them with a yeah, wicked. Yeah. Yeah, step yeah, one of them. yeah, yeah. But no, I think, man, we got to step up. And we are all together in this. And, you know, if you find someone and they already have kids, you got to step up and be that parent and be that support system. Not, I'm not the lead parent. My wife is a lead parent, but I'm her support. Right. And I'm here to give advice. I'm also here to encourage and, and just be a fatherly figure. And I, I love it. I think it's a great opportunity to give back and give back from everything I've been taught from my parents and from all the people that taught me into a little human and hopefully raise someone that's way better than me, you know, in so many different ways. But where's that boundary when it comes to discipline? Because I know, as you know, being a stepdad, you feel kind of awkward or disciplining. Yeah. Could there have it been a situation where you try to discipline her and she come to you like, oh, you're not my dad. And that kind of puts you in that awkward position. Like, 
You don't know. I that I think she did that when she was younger. She's eight right now. So I've been with her since she was like three and a half. Um, in the beginning, man, I wasn't. I'm not a discipline. I, I didn't. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, oh, uh, I didn't discipline her. I didn't feel I had the right to. I hadn't won. I wasn't her stepdad yet. I wasn't. Um, I, I didn't. I didn't feel like I. I had that. I didn't have the ownership to do that. I didn't have that power to do that. So I didn't, I didn't, I would always go, Hey, Andrea, she needs to do that. You know, I would go to the mom and the mom would then discipline her. Uh, I was more of her buddy. So the first two or three years was just more of me and her being buddies, really building a relationship, having fun. You know, <laughs> I actually, I got in trouble because we would do a lot of stuff and get each other in trouble. <laughs> like My wife had two kids, me and Karina. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I think I honestly started becoming more of the disciplined dad probably last two years. And it's more talking to her because I I, I got hit when I was young. I'm a, I did too. You did too, right? Yeah. We grew up in that generation. We got hit. We got spanked. And, you know, you read a lot about it. You hear a lot about how negative it is. My wife doesn't believe in it. So I was like, look, I'm following your lead. You teach me. And so she's – we got to talk to Karina if she does something bad. And I took it a step forward. I took it a step uh, beyond that. I read a book called Mind, um, Mindset by Carol Dweck. Amazing book. It separates a fixed mindset from a growth mindset. So fixed mindset is I tell you you're great, you're great, you're great at basketball, you're great at basketball. You just you have the gift. And then you play a game and you get beat by some other kid. All of a sudden, your confidence is gone. Gone, yeah. Why? Because you innately thought you just had the skill and that was it. It was given, God given to you. Yes. Growth mindset is you train, 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 you get better and better. So that same kid gets beat by this better kid and he's like, all right, how do I get better? Oh, he he jumps the ball, he does this better than me, so I'm gonna learn how to take that down. And so that kid just gets better and better. It's Michael Jordan. Right. It's, it's when he the, uh, when he faced the, uh, the, the Detroit Pistons yes. and they beat him, physically yep. beat him. Yep. What did he do? He went to the gym, gained 15 pounds of muscle to get stronger, to yep. come back and beat them. So. Yep. That's growth mindset. I'm get putting that into her. So I'm always like trying to incorporate that in, in when I discipline her, I explain why, what you did wrong, and then I make her reiterate it. And how do you do this better? So that's what I'm trying to do with this little one to encourage her to understand what she did wrong. Instead of just punishing her, it's like, what did you do wrong? Why you can what you can do to do better? And um, and that I love her. Even if she made a mistake, I still love you. Right. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. You made a mistake. Yeah. You didn't do your homework. Okay, why? Let's talk about this. It's not, okay, that's it. You're grounded. No, you didn't do your homework. What, what's wrong? Talk to me. Look, I'm not happy about it, so we're going to find out what's going on. And we go into these conversations. It's so crazy because she's a kid, but we'll get into some conversations, and I'm like, oh, wow, this, this sounds like very adult. Like her mind processes wow. things way more um, mature than I ever anticipated kids could do. So. Man, you got to give kids credit. They're a lot smarter than we probably give them credit. Um, but yeah, I when I discipline her, it's more about making sure she understands what she did wrong, how she can do it better, and that I still love her. Right. Because it's interesting um, you brought that up too. Is when did you knew that you know you she she liked you for who you were? Because me, I grew up with a stepdad, and I knew we had something we had something in common. That's why I thought he was cool. Because growing up, I used to like wrestling. He used to like wrestling. <laughs> and um, we are big fans of basketball, and we're a big Knicks fan. So that's how we kind of got along with each other. So we would watch wrestling. We would watch uh, 
Knicks games. Um, he would take us to wrestling get uh, uh, wrestling live events, and that's how that relationship started. So how did that kind of start with you and, and and I would say your daughter. I want yeah, to even yeah. say your stepdaughter, your daughter. Yeah, my daughter. Just say my daughter. Um, dude, that's so true. You gotta you gotta find those little common things. For us, we both like to joke with each other and we like to prank each other. <laughs> We're goofy, bro. We're goofy. So we also like to play around. Like, um, obviously, I'm a creative and I'm in the film business, so I like to imagine things and play around. So we have that. We'll play around. I think one of the first things we would do is we would go on these. Um, uh, ghost and monster scavenger hunts and I would take her for walks and we were like walking to these like apartment complexes near where we live like oh, did you hear that That's a <laughs> we just like act like it was like uh the monster squad and so we did these little things where we just played together a lot and I think that connect us so it's playing games that are all imaginary and then um we wrestle a lot I'm always wrestling I, I grew up with wrestling too so that's why our thing we'll get it <laughs> She jumps off the couch and she goes, oh, the top rope. And we're just jumping. I grew up with, like, you know, Jimmy Snuka and all yes. those guys back in the 80s where they jump for the top rope. So we have that bond. So wrestling has been a bond for us. Um, Netflix movies. She's into some of those little rom coms like The Princess. Oh, my God. Seriously? Yeah. So she watches that and I'll watch it with her. So we connect. Um, did you, did you have you put her on to Days of Our Lives yet? Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> She's not ready for that. Yeah, we're, we're both big Harry Potter fans. Awesome. So she loves all that stuff. But, yeah, I think those things are what you need to build that relationship and build their trust um, as a step parent. I think your first job is to really be their friend. Yeah. You can't come in thinking you're the boss. You can't come in thinking, hey, yo, I'm the man. You listen to me. Yeah. Who the hell are you? Who the hell are you? You know, that's how I felt about anybody. Win my trust before you try to tell me what to do with my life. Yep. And I say that in general with like relationships. Yep. You try to come into your life going, hey man, you should do this, you do that. I'm like, and who the fuck are you? Facts. Like, who are you? Why are you telling me what to do? You know, you haven't even won my trust. Why would I even listen to you? So I think just like we would in real relationships, it's the same thing with a kid. Build that relationship, build a trust. And then even when I discipline her, it's out of love. It's not that I know better. It's not that I'm, oh, I'm the adult. Listen to me. Because I never use that. I hate that when my parents used to do that to me. So with her, I explain, yo, you did this wrong. Yeah. You almost burned the house. You, you were playing with this candle. You almost burned the house. You understand what could have happened. And then we talk about it. You know, and then she, I think she can learn way better that way than me hitting her and going, you did that wrong. Right. And now I instill fear and I become the person that she doesn't trust. And I don't want that because as, as a teenager, I want her to trust me and love me to the point where she can talk to me about any problem she's having, whether it's a bully, whether it's uh, drugs, um, something, you know, I, I want to be there for her. I don't want her to be afraid to talk to me. And I think that starts now. I totally concur with that. I like what you just said, because what you did was you taught her through logic instead of emotions, because sometimes what parents do is They'll try to tell the kids through emotion, stop doing this, and don't tell them why. Don't Man, my parents. Why. <laughs> That's why I kept on getting <laughs> Now I should go talk to my parents. I'm like, yo, y'all never told me why. Y'all just said, don't do it. I didn't understand why I couldn't do it. Right. <laughs> why I stole your car. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I crashed it in the tree, but. But you never told me why I should have crashed it. 
yes, yes. As we come to the end, my brother, I enjoyed that McDonald commercial you did with the with the family. How oh, did you yeah. come up with that concept, man? That was pretty awesome. That should have been the real McDonald's commercial, especially in the COVID so. world. Bro, I think so too. I try to reach out to McDonald's for it, and you should share it with uh, all the audience so they can see it. So the the concept came in, you know, well, we got locked down in March, April. I think I I just started seeing how my daughter was dealing with not being able to see her friends, not uh, going to school, and uh, I I felt bad. You know, I felt bad that she was getting very lonely, and and because of that, the only interaction she had with a friend were through Zoom. I decided, well, this is this is a perfect spot. This is a perfect commercial to kind of encapsulate what's happening today with kids, especially single kids. She's we don't have another child; it's just her. Mm-hmm. So with her, I felt that the storyline would be her being lonely and missing her friends and wanting to hang out with her friends, but she can't, and she still has to wrap her mind around the pandemic. She's eight years old, or oh, seven at that time. But think about it; even for us, it's hard to wrap our minds around this pandemic. So for a kid, it's hard to wrap around that I can't go see my friend when. When can I go see my friend? Yeah. And so in this spot, I also wanted to make the, the father the hero. So he makes saves a day by buying her some McDonald's and having her FaceTime with her friend, which I thought, you know what? That's the simple things in life that sometimes make us happy. And for her, she loves McDonald's. And so I felt like this will be a perfect spot. So I ended up writing it in one day. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to shoot this. I'm going to shoot this. And I did. You know, and um, we try to get it to McDonald's. I try to reach out to them and put it out there, but it didn't get to them, but it did did really well on uh, Facebook and Instagram. I had a lot of people love it, share it, and they thought it was really a great story, a one-minute story. And for me, it was great to practice, you know? It was a, it was a great uh, platform for me to practice my storytelling. And it was without saying a lot, and that's the, the great yeah. thing about it, and it was very symbolic. But you know it was that one parent that had to say something negative, like, why you got to get a McDonald's? Why, why nuggets? You know nuggets is not good for kids. <laughs> <laughs> you know, no, I did get one negative comment, and I'll share it right here, man, because we've been talking about race. Um, obviously, uh, you can see me. You know I'm Latino, but some people yeah. think I'm white or I'm mixed, yeah. mixed with some type of white, white or Latin or white and Asian. And I've gotten that a lot, especially when I'm shaved. I look right. different. And one person on an Instagram post wrote, oh, I love this story, but why does a little girl have to be black? <laughs> and I was like, yo, are you serious? Have you never <laughs> seen my wife? She's dark Latina. So I wrote, she has to be black because she's my actual daughter. That's why. <laughs> These are real people. <laughs> wow. Seriously, it's just amazing how, like, like what? Why why? Why? Because she's my daughter, and this is really us. Like seriously, can you just shut the fuck up and just enjoy the visual? <laughs> he didn't get. I ain't get no response. He was like, "Oh, oh, okay, okay." <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, my brother, thank you for coming on. What word of wisdom do you have out there for the people? For the people right now, man. Don't let this pandemic, don't let COVID hold you back from following whatever you want to do, man. You got to go out there. This is going to pass just like it did in 19, what it was, 1918, the Spanish flu. This will pass. Everything will pass. But if you sit here and just dwell on it, you're not going to go anywhere. So next year, if you really work on this, like right now I'm starting a business during a pandemic. Why not? 
Yeah, it's a hard time to do it. Still, I'm still going to do it. Why? Because I'm setting myself up for success. So next year when things start opening up, my business starts taking off. You got to go for it. That's what, like me coming out here to LA, I went for it. Did it work out the way I wanted it? No, but you know what? I All these other doors opened up for me. So now take advantage of it. See things for... It's a whole, it's an old saying, man, the, the glass is either half empty or half full. It's how you see it and how you react. And with that, I'm done. All right. And that's how you react. And we out. Peace. <laughs> <laughs>